The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? It's From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our f***ing Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, and thieves, welcome to the Boston Podcast. My name is Dave. If you like this show, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Actually, follow us on Apple Podcasts. We no longer subscribe for some reason. I don't know. We do what Apple tells us to do, right? That's kind of life. And if you want your own podcast, I encourage you to go to pod617.com. That's what we do. We produce podcasts here out of our Westwood studios or remotely. Plenty of them remotely. We, We produce them all around the world. We'll send you a quality USB mic. Not the crappy one that you've been using in your mother's basement. Anyway, great show today. Great topic. Do you like the Olympics? Because it's Olympics time. Well, you know what? I like even better than the Olympics, the Special Olympics. My son, Adrian, who I talk about all the time on the show, he's been a participant in it. And But now, as a special treat, we have two people in studio, physically, in my studio. I'm so excited. It is Mary Beth McMahon, who's the president and CEO of Special Olympics, and an old friend of mine, Gail Murray, who's a member of the board of directors. Welcome, guys. Thank you. David. Thank you, David. Was that enough fanfare? <laughs> no, never. You want some? You want some more? Oh, let's see. No, Sports I can't find fanfare. It. I, I can't find it. <laughs> oh wait, here there are some kids cheering for you. <laughs> okay, that's, that's appropriate. Woo-hoo! That's appropriate. So welcome to welcome to the studio. I'm glad you're joining me. And so much to talk about. I don't know where to begin, but. Mary Beth, I guess, tell us why you love what you do. I assume you do. I've always, I mean, people know about the Special Olympics. Some know more than others. I've had personal experience because my son has done it. And to me, it is everything it's supposed to be. You, I, I haven't been to one of the events without at least shedding a little bit of a tear of joy, usually, because it's just so nice. But But tell us why you like what you do. Well, I like what I do mainly because of the people we serve, our athletes. I think they're great role models for us to watch and learn from. And the reality is is that they really look at life as every day is a great day. And Mm -hmm. wouldn't it be great for us all to walk out the door and say, I'm going to have a good day? And I think that's different from what most people think of our athletes. I think they look at them and they say, oh, that poor person, or they must have a tough day. But in reality, they're usually going out of the house looking forward to having a great day and i think that's a lesson we can all learn especially in these times that's my son have i mentioned my son yet on the show today yeah because i'll mention him again so yeah adrian's 23 and i when i introduce him to people i say this is the happiest guy i know and and he he has autism he's kind of i don't know in the middle of the spectrum he 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 is verbal but he does need a lot of help but sometimes i say i wish I mean, this isn't meant to sound weird, but sometimes we could all use a little autism in us because they they are, while while they do struggle with certain things in communication, of course, development skills, and they do struggle sometimes like Adrian when his pattern is disrupted, his, his everyday is disrupted, but he doesn't mind sitting in traffic. He, he, he doesn't get bummed out by life's little annoyances. And I think I could go into the whole thing, but I want to. I, I need to talk to you. You guys are my guests, after all. <laughs> but I have this theory. I have this theory that well, it was not my theory, but I heard it once that it's possible that uh, the the rise in cases of autism is because of evolution. And so 
my little sub theory, which is really weird, but it's that we are all, we have become also victim of our feelings, for lack of a better word. And think of think of things like cyberbullying and how we get upset by things like a tweet and things like that. And it's it's almost become like we have a really angry world now. And now come along these people that don't get bothered by such things. So maybe in the future they will lead us, but who knows? Anyway, they're both looking at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> not at all. Okay. We actually are doing a program around athlete leadership where our athletes are becoming coaches. And we have a couple of staff members. We have a couple of board members that are athletes. And it's all about taking what they've learned through Special Olympics, their skills, and allowing them to be leaders in their roles outside of the world. Now, my question there would be, well, are they able to do that? Because some of your athletes, they're at various stages of what advancement or I don't know what, what you'd call it, but some of them I would gather wouldn't have the ability to do such things, but apparently some do. Well, yeah, I, some do and you know, some don't. We actually have a program with Algonquin High School up in Marlboro that they bring their, their 18 to 22-year-olds into our office one or two days a week and just train them to do different activities. And I think it's been great for our staff because it sees our athletes outside the sports arena, but also, more importantly, it brings some empathy to everybody. You have to kind of explain the job differently, and right. that challenges us to do that, but it doesn't mean that they can't learn differently. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the challenge we all have is people learn differently, and hopefully through sports mm -hmm. we kind of level the playing field. But if we can have outcomes from those sports activities that lead to better leaders in our community doing whatever they can do, then I think we've achieved our mission. It's amazing, for sure. Gail, tell us how you got involved and why. Well, that's a great question I, because I think a lot of people come to Special Olympics from different perspectives. And I had the pleasure of having a really close friend of mine, Terry Kelty, who has worked for the organization for many, many years before Mary Beth came aboard here in Massachusetts. And Terry is vice president of programs and um, partnerships, community partnerships. And I just was able to see firsthand the passion that she has for her job. Like we all have careers that we're very successful in and that we really enjoyed. But there is just something about this kind of giving back and be having a career where you are you're filled with the joy that the athletes have because you're experiencing them every week and every weekend and it was just it, it just drew me in so from very early time we were very involved with trying to contribute to special olympics so when terry recommended to mary beth to invite me to be part of the board i jumped on the opportunity very cool so you and i met when you were back you were with the Boston Business Journal, and I might have been like recently departed from Lawyers Weekly. And may I say, you look younger than the last time I saw you. And, it's retirement. And, and I, it, it, it's, it's retirement. It's, 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 it's retirement. You're way too young to be retired. I'm like, the, I'm a shell of a man over here. So, Mary Beth, give us an idea of the the scope. What is the empire of Special Olympics that you oversee? How many programs? How many people involved? All that kind of stuff. Well, we kind of have our pre-pandemic numbers and our pandemic numbers, yeah. I guess. That's probably the best Don't way to put all? it. Yeah. yeah. So prior to the pandemic, we were servicing 14,500 Special Olympics athletes and another 4,500 unified partners, which are the non-disabled pairs that come as part of our inclusive sports programming. So about 19,000 total participants, and we were running about 650 events a year, which is a common misperception. A lot of people ask me, when is Special Olympics? Or 
you must love your job working with children with Down syndrome. A lot of I will be asked probably three or four times, you know, how is Beijing? Well, okay, to be clear, though, that's a different animal altogether. That is Special Olympics. I'm using quotation fingers. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so that that is a misconception. I think part of the the beauty of being called Special Olympics is that we have 95% brand recognition. Everybody knows who we are, but we really have 5% education of what we really do. And that is a lot because we do use the word Olympics. We're one of the only other organizations that can. Even Paralympics is not spelled with an O, it's spelled with an A. And though they tend to follow where the Olympics are and will again this year, that's not us. Mm. Special Olympics is for primarily individuals with intellectual disabilities and Paralympics is with those with physical disabilities. We do, you will see both with Special Olympics, but you, we, our primary mission is for those with intellectual disabilities mm-hmm. and to offer both our traditional programs and our inclusive programs because inclusion is so big these days and is so needed in our community, especially I think in the times we are right now that that's where our unified programs come in. But I think the perception that the Olympics happen every four years or every other two years, alternating between summer right, and winter, right. that perception tends to be what people think of us as. But I think my common thing is to say, we are every day in every community and for every age. And those six words usually can change someone's at least original perception that we're just not on a one-day track meet. So our scope is big. The pandemic hurt us like it hurt everybody. Closing down was one of the hardest decisions we had to make, and so I'm glad we were forced to do it. But So now we're about 50% back, um, hoping to get our goal, actually, by the end of 2024 is to have our pre-pandemic numbers back, but also to grow by 5,000 participants. So we're hoping to have 24,000 by 24 is our kind of tagline right now. But more importantly, we want everybody to come out and experience inclusion. So we have we offer 23 sports. Our youngest athletes, too. Our oldest is 79 that wow. participated in 21. So across the board, right now we're in basketball, bowling, and alpine skiing season. And we'll be doing our alpine ski championships in February and our basketball and bowling championships in March and April. So cool. Before I forget, specialolympicsma.org, is that the correct place to send people? That is the, spe- the correct place. Okay. And I should also let people know that we are basically a franchisee of the corporate movement. There's a lot of confusion with Special Olympics and Special Olympics MA. So I oversee all the programming here in the state of Massachusetts and basically are considered a franchisee of our global movement. I see. Okay. And you're funded through donations, I take it? Funded completely through. All through donations? um, All through donations. Okay. Um, So donate, people. Yes, please. (laughs) Donate or get involved in some of our special event fundraising. It is polar plunge season, so if people like to dive into cold bodies of water, it is polar plunge season. We kicked off last week in Natick with the AMVETS, and we will now go through the last week in March, and you can plunge anywhere or at any of our locations. And again, specialolympicsma.org. There's one... In Sharon, because I've been, because yes, my because my, my my son Griffin, who's a typical kid, his he plunged on behalf of in support of his brother. Oh, awesome! And uh, into Chili Lake Massapog. I wanted to do it, but nobody asked me to do it. I've always wanted to do one. Okay, of those well, things. the Sharon's coming up. Yeah, that's actually run okay. by uh, law enforcement. We <laughs> have a right. great yeah. partnership with Law Enforcement Torch Run and Larry Crossman in Sharon. Though he's retired, is still running that event for us, and so it will be happening again coming up in a couple of weeks. Is actually, it in a couple of weeks? In March. 
All right. All so, right. And you can actually find that information out on polarplungema.org. There you go. Polarplungema.org. I'll have to, I'll have to check it out. Uh, I'll I, send I you the to... link directly. No worries. No searching needed for you, David. I had to open my big mouth. I know. We also have All a right, fake 5K. You can run a 5K if you want. Yeah. Uh, but my knees suggest otherwise. Okay. <laughs> the, the plunge will be much I'm better than for you. Yes. That's, that's easy. Um, are we so, still looking for people to have bibs for the... Yeah, we do have a couple of marathon bibs left. If anybody's out there listening that wants to run 26.2 miles, God bless you. But yes, <laughs> if you want to run 26.2 miles. But also, very exciting is we are also the fundraising partner of the BAA 5K, which happens on marathon weekend. So we do have bibs well, cool. for that as well. Special Olympics is, the, is the marathon... Be- <laughs> <laughs> Special Olympics MA.org. I told, I, I told them to plug, told to to plug it. away. I wrote it right here yes, on website. I know, I know. It's it's a fantastic cause, of course. But is the Boston Marathon back to its regular it time is, on Patriots Day? It is. Yes, oh, okay. weekend. All right. Yes. So so cool. And so you said you're, you're looking for a couple more runners to support. Yeah, run we have in, a couple more bibs of, okay. um, to run in support. So okay. if you, you're one of those people, I think a couch to marathon might be a little difficult in this time frame. <laughs> but mm-hmm. a uh, couch to 5K, we have that on Saturday. And then if you are already out there braving these elements and running and interested in the marathon, let me know. So cool. So I want to talk about moments because, as I said before, did I say that before we started recording? Who, who knows? I should have been recording. Anyway, I can't go to any of these events without getting moved at some point. There's, there's, it's, sometimes it's the, it's not even the, the triumph of your athletes, but it's the the people helping. And the I mentioned my my son, my typical son has been a uh, like a mentor kid on the basketball team and such in support of my and sometimes it's just it, i think it brings out so much it brings out the best in them as well but gail have you seen witness to any of this is do you have a, a favorite moment or something that 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 sort of speaks to what special olympics means to you i i have several favorite moments oh. i think that's the wonderful thing about being on this board as mary beth mentioned we have two of our board members are special olympics athletes so in every time that you're involved with this organization, you're reminded of the mission. And they have such great, first of all, they're, as Mary Beth said, they are very inspiring. They believe in what they've done. They are very proud of the successes and the accomplishments they've made. They're so joyful. And it it just brings it out in all of you, in all of us who are on the board and just reminds you why you're doing this work and you know, why you're committed to this organization. But I have, during the pandemic, there is a group that has formulated up on the North Shore that is doing snowshoeing, and it began Mm -hmm. last year. And I think that's sort of the essence of the people who've really volunteered for this organization. When we didn't have activities for them, they created them for the athletes because much like many of us who were isolated during this pandemic, it was a very weird time to retire and be isolated, <laughs> but but all of us experienced that. The athletes experienced in a deeper way, and they really needed the outreach and the socialization and the workouts and the things that really kept them going. So many of the volunteers started, and this was a snowshoeing organized group that mm-hmm. gathered on Sundays, and I think still does in the, mm-hmm. uh, the North Shore. And I, I did participate earlier this year, but I haven't done the snowshoeing yet because we didn't have snow at the time, so we had to walk on. But it, it was just to see their faces and see their excitement in being together and being out and breathing the cold air and just mm-hmm. being together. It just, it really is inspiring. I've never tried snowshoeing. 
Is it strenuous? It's a, you know what? It's fun. Okay. It's a, it was my first time of trying it, so it was a great experience. It is, yeah, it is strenuous. It depends on whether you're walking on a flat surface or a hilly surface. We had a little bit of a hills that we were mm-hmm. going on. But, yeah, you definitely, it, it's easier, certainly, to walk on snow if you've got snowshoes on. It seems like when you look at people with them, you think it doesn't look yeah. easier, but it is. It looks and, like two big tennis rackets you're carrying around, but... But I, I yeah, we I, almost went and bought some after we had the experience. Mm-hmm. But because of the pandemic, they were sold out last yeah. year, and you yeah. couldn't get your hands on them. Yeah, you poor thing, retiring during the pandemic. It's like most people say, "What do you want to do in your time?" Well, I definitely want to travel. Oh, can't do that. For yes, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, take thank a you, paint, David. Painting or something. <laughs> we'll get back there. We'll get back there. Mary Beth, how about how about you? You must have zillions of memories to choose from, but care to share any? I actually do have zillions of memories, but the one that happened actually recently, we have an athlete who we do have our USA games this year to go back to that kind of thought process of one games um, in Orlando in June, and hopefully they will go on. But we have an athlete from Boston who lives in Mattapan, and we were approached by the games organizing committee about having a really good story. Mm -hmm. And they, I was like, Lamine's a great story. She's just a wonderful, came from the Boston Public Schools, stayed involved with us upon graduating, and has just really strived to be a USA Games athlete. Mm. So Robin Roberts was able to, we were able to orchestrate throughout, actually with Milton Academy's help, orchestrate oh. a oh, surprise to Lamine uh, that Robin Roberts would tell her that she was going to the USA Games. Oh, so cool. That and, is awesome. And it was like you ta- I talked a little bit about Every athlete going into the you know day thinking that this day is going to be a great ga- day. We followed Lamine around for a week with a crew, and I'm like, she's going to figure this out. She's going to figure this out. Mm. And I'm like, her father's going to figure this out. And we just said, look, we're we're kind of marking your journey through the pandemic and how. And when Robin Roberts told her on live TV that she was going, the, a reaction of someone achieving from where she's come to where she's going had Robin Roberts crying, me crying, mm. <laughs> George and Michael Strain back in New York crying. I'm mm. like, okay. But it was just, it really showed that our athletes, like everybody, can have goals and objectives and they can achieve them if they really work hard. And to watch Lamine achieve that has been kind of one of our, I think, crowning moments here, but more importantly, crowning moment for her. Mm. So we look forward to following her journey as she goes to Orlando in June. So cool. I love it. I have one other one. Go for it. So we have a pretty big relationship with the Boston Bruins, and we were at a golf tournament with them. And Tuka Rask, congratulations on your retirement, Tuka. And Tyler Legassi, who's an athlete, a very, very good golf athlete, who's actually also Also on on the the board. board. They decided to do a ceremonial shot, and Tuka was going to take one, and Tyler was going to take one, and... Took a good up, took the shot, great shot. Tyler got up, took a shot, and just annihilated Took a shot. Mm-hmm. And the whole crowd went wild. <laughs> and in that moment, I know that we changed some really hardcore golfers' mm. perceptions about what our athletes right. could do. And it really changed the moment between Tuka and Tyler because Tuka was just in awe of the talent that he just saw. And it really shows that sports can level the playing field because Tuka's a pretty good golfer as well. Yeah, and uh, needs to say a fantastic athlete, but it goes to say all those uh, baseball players, but they all think they can play golf just because, <laughs> and some of them can. I'm a terrible golfer myself, so I shouldn't talk. But anyway, uh, I don't understand but, why I hit a little ball into a little hole you can't see. Yeah, <laughs> I'm with you. I don't get how they know it's a hole in one. Like if someone has to tell them it's a hole in one. But I don't. Anyway, anyway um, I'll share one memory that I have, and I have a lot as well. But my son was playing 
for uh, Cardinal Cushing. Mary Beth, you and I were talking about wonderful school in Hanover where my son attended for a year. And they were playing basketball. It was a road game. I forget exactly where we were. But this one particular game, we were losing. And you, when you go to these things, the score is sometimes not really the point. The point is that everyone has a good experience. But it was like 36 to 2. And then it's like 44 to 2. And and I know my son doesn't care. Adrian doesn't care. He doesn't look he he loves running up and down the court, but I don't but I don't think he's ever looked up at the scoreboard. Doesn't care. But I started worrying some of the kids do. And there was one kid on the other team that was just good at stealing the ball. And so pretty much and you've seen these games, some kids, different talent levels, and some kids you have to like literally walk up to them and hand them the ball and tell them to shoot and hopefully clear out a little space because you want them to have at least a moment or two. And this kid just stole the ball every time. And so now and so now I'm, I'm sort of getting annoyed, and I'm wondering, shouldn't the other coach give this kid a rest? So, And then the most amazing thing happened. A, a kid on the opposing team, the not the kid who was stealing the ball every time, but a different kid, took the ball and, and started, I always get choked up when I talk about these scores, <laughs> started handing it to the other team. And then and the referee looked at the kid and said, well, you don't have to hand it to him. You're on this team. And the kid said, I know. I want to give them a, them a chance. I don't, I don't know why this always breaks me up, but just the and he was he was special needs, but he knew what was going on, and he thought it was more important for the other team to have a chance. Just the just the the heart, the heart. Yeah, that's that's the word. The heart that comes out at some of these events mm-hmm. is just fantastic. I still have the footage of of Adrian, my son, getting a gold medal at at Harvard. The last time we were talking about this, Mary Beth, the last time we did live uh, Special Olympics, wonderful event at, at at Harvard, and he got a gold medal. He was so proud of himself. Stood up on the stage. I did not tell him that he was the only one in his age group who had done that event. He didn't care. Right. He didn't care. So. Tell me what what challenges you face, but maybe besides the pandemic, or maybe most of them are related to that. But what like what do you need besides people giving money? What 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 do you need help with? What are your challenges? I think challenges right now are really the money, Special Olympics. I mean, that and <laughs> also, so we are embarking on a three year strategy plan, which has got some big goals in it to get our pandemic numbers back. But what we're also finding is our volunteers are coming as well. About 50% with our athletes are, are diehard volunteers who missed us as much as they did. But I think what we're really needing to look for is we have to increase our accessibility. And so we need to really look at how we can become a innovative organization from a technology standpoint, from a community standpoint. We need to build our access points so that the transition parts of athletes' life we don't lose them. Mm. And as an example, your son. Mm. So he turns 22. He's been getting Special Olympics at schools. All of a sudden, he's in the community, and Special Olympics gets lost. It's, yeah. it's In reality, Special Olympics needs to stay there. It needs to – people tend to think of us from the access point you came in at. So if you came in at the school and you think school's over, then Special Olympics is over. So we have to do better at communicating to our families and our athletes – that we're still there, no matter what age you are and no matter what ability you are. And we have to make sure that we're into that communication process prior to the date. So as you're 22, all of a sudden your world changes, right. and you're you know not a school athlete anymore. You're dealing with a different agency. You're dealing, like Everything changes, and so we need to be really sure that Special Olympics doesn't change. I mean, Special Olympics is still there for you as an athlete and you as a family, and that you can kind of continue your own journey, whatever journey that may be. And that's something that we have to do. And the pandemic really showed that we 
our accessibility has to be better and uh, more efficient and more effective. Yeah. Well, what you described is true because the parent, as a special needs parent, everything does change at age 20. For those that don't know, that's when the kid is no longer sort of on the dime of the school and the town. And, and it's kind of the family, like there are plenty of ways to get aid and help and help them along to their next thing. And the schools will help you transition, but really it's kind of up to you now. So, and my son's working at a wonderful program at what a program called LifeWorks, but yeah, he, we have fallen out of touch with Special Olympics. Now, to your credit, you have great board members because Gail has been reminding me about <laughs> events and things that I probably should be getting Adrian involved in. So some of that is on me. But but very good. SpecialOlympicsMA.org because Mary Beth hasn't said it already 70 times. So we're going to play a round of good stuff before we depart where all three of us will recommend something good. It doesn't have to do with Special Olympics. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But it's, it'll be something good from each one of the three of us. But, Gail, you came prepared with note cards, which always scare me. And so... <laughs> What I'm going to ask you is... I've never been on a podcast before. Well, I was very nervous. You're doing great. What <laughs> What have I not asked about Special Olympics that maybe I should be? Well, from, from my perspective on the board, I think one of the things I was um, challenged to try to help the organization do is get more corporate exposure, particularly in Boston, particularly with our headquarters being out in Marlboro. And so through the years, and we've done a phenomenal, we have fabulous partners. So we have the Revolution, we have the Boston Bruins, as Mary Beth mentioned, John Hancock, Bank of America, Arbella Insurance, lots of sports and broadcasting organizations. But it would be great if we can bring in more corporate sponsors to the cause. So recently with another board member we did is kind of preparing for this mission that Mary Beth had mentioned. We did some research and background to understand maybe what it is that um, other organizations, it's a very competitive market. There's a lot of really wonderful nonprofits in the Boston market. What are they doing well? What are What is their secret sauce? How do they draw in board members? How do they draw in a lot of their corporate partners? And then we did the same by reaching out to a lot of corporate partners, people that their role in the organization is to be the lead for philanthropic activities. And we know that a lot of them are very focused on diversity and inclusion. So how could how can that incorporate the the build that we're trying to do is, is to build a world of inclusion through Special Olympics. So what we discovered, which I found interesting, one of the challenges during the pandemic is that a lot of people had shifted their funds to corporations, to pandemic causes, mm -hmm. social justice, race, racism, racism mm -hmm. causes, can't speak, as well as like global warming, which are hot issues these, these times. So I think one of our challenges is to kind of bring people back around to their communities as we come out of this pandemic and to supporting the in inclusion and this world of inclusion, and which is such a big part of what Special Olympics is really focused on going forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thoughts, Mary Beth, to add, to piggyback on that? Yeah, I think we're one of those unique organizations where we can also offer volunteer engagement through your corporate engagement. And we have a lot going on in Boston. We're starting a new program with the Boston Public Schools. We just signed an MOU with them to bring inclusive schools um, in. And we're going to have a big summer games weekend again. Oh, cool. So I think those companies that are out there who are interested in engaging, I know there's a lot still on a remote work thing, but if you're coming off that in the spring, please reach out because we need a lot of help to get our city initiative up and running again and also just getting our athletes back on the playing field at, at Harvard. Very cool. All right. So, by the way, 
if you missed it, specialolympicsma.org. <laughs> I didn't say it the last yes, time. Yes, <laughs> yes, but I did. All right. Make sure you get that down. We are going to, before we go, we'll play a round of good stuff where you'll get something good to brighten your day, hopefully. Before we do that, let me take one quick minute to remind you of what we do here at pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network, is where you go if you want your own podcast. If you are a lawyer, a consultant, an entrepreneur, someone who wants to promote what you do or your company, a podcast is a great way to do it. You invite your clients and people in your network, people in your universe to be on your show. They'll be amazed at the quality of which we put the show together from soup to nuts, the intro music, outro music, all the editing, everything in between. You can do it here in our Westwood studios or remotely. We do them all around the planet. We'll send you out a quality USB mic to get started. Pod617.com is where you go to get started. The Boston Podcast Network in Pod We Trust. All right, let's play a round of good stuff. Oh, that's the good stuff. I am delighted to report both of my guests have passed the test. They were dancing during the B-52s <laughs> music. I require that of everyone, whether you're live or on Zoom. It's one of my How, first we concerts. Didn't know that. My yeah. first concerts. Was Is that right? Yes. B-52s? In high yeah. school, yes. Yeah. Aging myself. No, 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 I mean, if you, if you weren't bopping your butt off to Rock Lobster, then you weren't living back in the 80s. <laughs> anyway, Mary Beth, I'll pick on you first. What what do you have to share with our audience? Uh, something good that you've seen, read, consumed, or otherwise? Well, I had a couple, but I'm going to go with Spider-Man Homecoming. Because, okay. David, you had asked if I had been back to the movies, and I have, and I went twice. Mm. Um, and I will have to say I now have a Tom Holland crush. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, wait, No Way Home? Is it called No Way Home or Homecoming? Or is, Homecoming, am I mixing them up? Isn't it? I think it's, it's a spider. The one that's currently out with Zendaya and Tom Holland. Yeah, no, Spider-Man, exactly. Because no I've home, seen it. Right. I think, well, I think this is it. I'm going to play yeah. a little bit of the, uh, the trailer here for Spider Man. Ever since I got bit by that spider, I've only had one week where my life has felt normal. That was when you found out. There's your boy. There he is. (laughs) Perfectly cast Spider-Man. Yes. When you botched that spell where you wanted everyone to forget the Peter Parker Spider-Man. We started getting some visitors from every universe. Hello, Peter. So there's not it's not good for a podcast when there's not a lot of dialogue in the trailer. But uh, let's. <laughs> <laughs> so the first voice you heard was uh, what's his name Benedict Cumberbund Cumberbund Benedict Cumberbatch who plays Doctor Strange and they realize that they've mistakenly like opened a door to new universes, but makes it cool because then the the next voice you heard the hello Peter was Alfred Molina who played Doc Ock in. That the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, which I remember, not exactly. I mean, we were grown-ups when that came out, but it was still that was a, that was like twenty years ago or something or whatever it was. Yeah, easily. and so they bring back Alfred Molina. They bring back Willem Dafoe as who the, was the, a the, great, yeah, the, oh. gre- the Green Goblin. Green he Goblin. was he he's amazing. He's still doing it, and uh, well, but when you look kind of old and creepy your whole life, then I guess that that helps. That's <laughs> Willem Dafoe. But so yeah, I've seen the film as well, and. Um, 
Yeah, and and you were saying your son is a big Marvel. So my son's person. a huge Marvel fan and has been, but so I've seen most of them. But I will say that we watched them in order during the pandemic. Oh, like God, the way yeah. they're supposed to come out mm-hmm. versus the way they did come out. Oh, interesting. And watching them in that order, it's a lot of movies. But watching <laughs> yeah. them in that order was fascinating. See, I might need to do that, but. Even I have a limit as to how much TV I can watch, but but I'll get around to it eventually. Yeah, my son, coincidentally, my youngest son told me he was doing the same thing. There's a list. I, I mean, just Google it, people. You'll find it. Of all the Marvel movies, and if you watch them in the appropriate order, then it's it's chronological, right? Yeah, and, so, and it really connects the whole story. Yeah. I'm like, I don't feel like I'm in the middle of a story anymore. I feel like I'm at the beginning and it's going to the right conclusion. Yeah. yeah. Somebody told me to watch... WandaVision last year, which is very... Oh, we watched that. Oh, did you like that? Yeah, we yeah. actually did. Our yeah. sons are very into Marvel, oh, and okay. this is my husband. He loves all of sci-fi, okay. so... Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. It was I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. Yeah. WandaVision was cool because, and I think you find that on Disney, it's a, it's a show. It's uh, like eight episodes or something like that, but the each each different episode is a moment in time and shot in the style of like a 50s sitcom like Ozzy and Harry and then it moves up to very creative but then it started into all this stuff and I'm like am I supposed to know who that person is that person is like I wasn't enough of a Marvel guy but anyway um Gail, do you have something for our listeners? I do. Mine's a little bit more about your consumption. So there is a fairly new company called Chef.com. It's spelled S-H-E-F. And it's just recently, well, maybe within the last four to six months, come to the Boston area. So it's a startup out of San Francisco. And they deliver authentic homemade food Mm -hmm. delivered to your door. Mm -hmm. So you literally go on the site you choose a chef, you mm. pick out your meals. We just recently had Vanessa from Boston, who was amazing. And you pick out the things that you like to order. Mm. It's delivered to your door, and you just need to heat it up. So during the pandemic, of course, we've all tried a lot of different takeout um, yeah. from restaurants, supporting your local restaurants, which is a great thing to do as well. But the quality of the food that we've had, and I had it in Chicago, we'd go off go out there often because my mom is out there. I mean, it was in Chicago first. It is just amazing. And it's really authentic. All different kinds of, you know, food choices. You you have lots of wonderful options. And it's really a great outlet. And wow. it's reasonable, too. Very affordable. I definitely highly recommend it. We just recently had, it was in the metropolitan area of Boston, but we just got our delivery last week in Andover. So they've started to branch out. So DoorDash does a lot of the deliveries of the food, but it, it is definitely worth trying. And they've got big investors behind the company. So I know that Orlando Bloom, Katy Perry are huge investors. Mm. It's 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 really got a big following. So give it a shot. I think you'll enjoy it. Chef.com. S-H-E-F.com. So, but, so like Vanessa cooked your meal, but then Vanessa doesn't deliver it to your house, though. Right? She doesn't. Oh, okay. No, so that's really what the key of, so the it, it, it was a wonderful thing during the pandemic, which is when it launched, because there was a lot of chefs that really didn't have an opportunity to do their craft, So mm. because the restaurants weren't open. So I think that's sort of how some of this began. But yeah, she will, Vanessa cooked the food, right. she packages it up, and then I think there is a center that she sends it to, and then they distribute it out to you. Very cool. Yeah. Chef.com. Good, yeah. good tip. Yes, it'll 
get me away from Taco Bell for, for one, <laughs> once and for all, maybe. I think you will love it. You okay. have to tell me what you think. I will. Give it a try. I've got it bookmarked oh, here. I'll recommend a show that I just started watching. It's not new, but I think it might be new to HBO Max, and it's called Fringe. And uh, you guys heard of the show? I Fringe? have. Were you a fan? I haven't watched it. Okay, see, I hadn't either. And it was J.J. Abrams, the, the guy who did Battlestar Galactica. He did the recent Star Wars movie. He's done, and he did, did Alias. Alias and the show Lost, which is one of my favorites. This, I think, was the show he did after Lost. And I just realized it's one of the highest rated shows of all time on Rotten Tomatoes. So I'm going to play a little oh. bit of the trailer for season one. Olivia Dunham, FBI. Most of what I'm about to show you has not been made public. Intel that's classified above top secret. They're calling these events a pattern, as if someone out there is experimenting, only the whole world is their lab. Anything, anybody you need, you can have. His name's Walter Bishop. My father. He worked out of Harvard. He was part of a classified U.S. Army experimental program in an area called Fringe Science. You're telling me my father was Dr. Frankenstein. <laughs> so much happened here. So much is about to. You fall over your partner who betrays you. He dies in your arms. I saw him last night. Hello, Liv. You're not real. Walter, is that LSD? It's a special blend. Finding out that my father's giving drugs to bugs somehow just became a typical moment in my life. All right, well, that hopefully <laughs> gives you enough. I of like the that guy. Kind of, so that's, yeah, that's Joshua Jackson, that's who, who is, I yeah. think most people still remember him from Dawson's Creek. Yeah. Wasn't he in Dawson's Creek? Yep. And, uh,. Olivia Dunham is the name of the kind of the lead character there. I forget the name of that actress. Anyway, you'll recognize a couple people. That guy that talks like this is the guy from The Wire. This is an actor's name is Lance Reddick. He's outstanding. But it's kind of a cool show. It's taken me a little bit to get into it. Supposedly seasons three or and four are, are the, the coolest parts. But every episode, something weird happens. Why it's called Fringe. It's something that is kind of touching upon a different unit. It's definitely sci-fi-ish. But it's also like... In the opening scene of every episode, you're introduced to somebody new you've never seen before, and something incredibly weird happens to them. Like, they take a bite of birthday cake, and all of a sudden, their bones start melting or something. And you're like, oh, what is going on? And it's up to these guys to sort it out. And so Josh, Joshua Jackson plays kind of the young. He's like the the renegade FBI guy. His dad is this mad scientist, as you heard. He's kind of lovable. And it works. So, Fringe on HBO Max. Not a sponsor of the show, but you might enjoy it. So, check it out. <laughs> Anything we've left out, kids? Well, I did have a question for you. Go ahead, yeah. What is the biggest challenge of having a podcast? Great question, Gail. Thank you. <laughs> we'll answer that next week on the Boston Podcast. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, I'd say the biggest challenge to starting your own podcast is having a plan and sticking to it. Because there's this phenomenon that we in the industry call pod fade and pod fade means you come out with your guns blazing and you're like we're gonna have the best show we're gonna interview all these people and then for the first three or four weeks you're posting your podcast every tuesday and then you can your guest cancels and you kind of forget about it and then well can we skip a week yeah sure we can skip a week and anyway you get the point so the people that that I work with on pod617.com, the ones that have found the most success are the ones that you know, have a plan and stick to it. If you're going to do a podcast every week, do it every week. If you think you can't do it every other week, do a season, do 12 episodes and just have a plan for those. And then, so there's a lot of making up stuff in the podcast world, which is cool, but you have to, it, it takes a ton of patience because it takes a lot of time to develop an audience. And so 
you can't expect thousands of people to be listening right away. You can expect like your friends that you tell to listen to the show <laughs> to start right away. But with patience and doing the right things, you do find your audience. And so is that a good answer? It is. How how do you build an audience? Oh, well, we time does not permit us to go through all the... It's <laughs> a marketing I'm, class on podcast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, well, the, the, the nutshell answer is keep reminding people that care about the show about the show and keep reminding them to share it because you, you'll inevitably, if you put out a good show, actually what I should say is the first, the first way to do it is to produce a quality show. Um, improving your show is the, is the, is absolutely the place to start. And there's all kinds of resources online. We provide them here at my company, but you can find them anywhere and just, just ways to produce a good show, both technically and both content and content wise. And once you do that, You'll have some fans of your show, and you go to them and you say, "Hey, we're going to mention you on the show. If you could do us a favor and keep reminding other people to." Sh- and because think about it, I mean, I don't want you guys. When I start a new podcast, it's usually because somebody's told me about it. Have you have you heard of this podcast? It's cool. I just started listening to one called. Actually, I finished it. It's it's called In Your Own Backyard. In my own backyard? I don't know. It's a crime podcast. This guy who just delved into this unsolved murder, as so many podcasts do. But it was good. And the reason I listened to it is because my friend Catherine told me about it. you got to keep doing that and spider it out and then keep doing good work. But you also have to love it and you also have to realize that you might do it for a year and still not have a huge audience. So you got to put yourself in that spot and say, well, I still really want to do it because it's it's something I'm passionate about. And as long as you're passionate about it, it's going to be worth it and you're going to get a lot of value out of it. Is that a good answer? That's a great answer. Okay. <laughs> That's a great answer. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. No, my son is thinking of starting a podcast. That's why I was asking you. Well, we produce them here at pod617.com. Did I, I mention that? I understand that. <laughs> <laughs> SpecialOlympicsMA.org. <laughs> you guys are awesome. Thanks for joining me in the studio today and giving thank me... Thank you for some, having us. In, uh, my pleasure, Mary Beth thank McMahon, Gail much. Murray. Special Olympics, uh, support it, love it. We can't wait to get back outside and doing all that stuff. And I might even try snowshoeing. Who knows? Yay. (laughs) Plunging, plunging, plunge. And plunge. The plunge is coming back. I come out in a couple weeks. Oh, God. I'm I'm freezing already. Uh, Thanks for listening to the Boston Podcast. If you like this show, share it with a friend and go to pod617.com if you want your own podcast. On behalf of Gail and Mary Beth, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston... You must be the other guy. Have a great day, everybody. Get out there. (laughs)